As a way of uh, sharing uh, a little bit creatively this morning, I thought I'd share with the kids uh, a cartoon of this, uh, this challenging parable. This is uh, just a couple of minutes detailing uh, this, this teaching from Jesus we call uh, the parable of the shrewd manager. Thanks, Guy. Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who was informed of accusations that his manager was wasting his assets. So he called the manager in and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your administration, because you can no longer be my manager. Then the manager said to himself, What should I do, since my master is taking my position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too ashamed to beg. I know what to do, so that when I'm put out of management, people will welcome me into their homes. So he contacted his master's debtors, one by one. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? The man replied, A hundred measures of olive oil. The manager said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? The second man replied, A hundred measures of wheat. The manager said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their contemporaries than the people of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by how you use worldly wealth, so that when it runs out, you will be welcomed into the eternal homes. The one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and the one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And if you haven't been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Soon to teach you a little bit about today's Bible reading. You guys can head out to Kids Club, Kids Church if you would like. Uh, the rest of us might like to grab a Bible or open up your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 16. Uh, there's Bibles up the back if anyone would like to have a physical Bible to have a look at. If you don't have a Bible at home, please see us. We'd love to give you a Bible. We would love to bless you with a, a Bible. Please feel free to take one home with you. We've got all sorts of different types of Bibles. There's Bibles for everyone here at Church in the Marketplace. So if you don't have one, please let us know and we can give you one. But if you want to open up to, uh, to Luke chapter 16, we're going to be reading uh, the first 15 verses of this uh, very strange parable from Jesus. I'll have it up on the screen, um, but it's always a good idea to have it open in front of you as well. Uh, why, don't, um, why don't we just have it, make sure we've got it there so you can check to make sure I'm not preaching heresy. But, but this is indeed um, one of the most, uh, this is indeed one of the most challenging parables from Jesus, this one, right? So heads up, this is a, this is a strange one because on the surface it appears as though Jesus is condoning dishonest behavior, right? 
So this manager, this fellow at the center of our story today, whose, whose example Jesus, you'll follow, we'll find in a second, Jesus commends to us. He commends him to us as an example to follow. He's not at all the sort of person that we would expect Jesus to be commending to us. But this is nevertheless a parable about real life, real difficult life in all of its messiness, real life with all of its ambiguities, real life with all of its challenges, real life with all of its struggles and, and, and uncertainties of, of life. And, and, and I like that about Jesus, and I like that about the Bible. I really love how it deals with real life, not as life how we think it should be, although we do know the end of history, the end of time, where we are going. But for the time being, we live in a fallen world, a messy world, a world tainted by sin, where people don't always act honestly, where people do rub up against each other, where people do hurt one another. And, and this is a parable from Jesus going to point us, give us maybe so a bit of direction about how to, to live in this less than ideal world that, that, that we live in. So I'm not sure if the cartoon really got the point across, but are you familiar with, with the fact that this businessman, this man at the center of the story, is fired? So at the start of the story, he gets this follower, he fires him and asks him to bring in the books so that he can turn the books over to the boss so the boss can check for himself. Before he does that, he goes out and cooks the books. And blow me down, his boss commends him for it. So let's have a look at, uh, at Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through to 15. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. 
he said to them. You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people uh, value highly is detestable in God's sight. Wow, challenging parable, isn't it? Let's pray and we'll get stuck in. A loving Heavenly Father, we pray that you might teach us through this parable, through this interesting parable, this challenging parable. Father, we pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Now, preachers around the world, down through the centuries, have done their best to clean this up, to sanitize this story. Because as you just heard, and you sort of almost felt it in the room just then, I felt it in myself. What? This guy gets commended for dishonesty. What's Jesus on about here? I felt it in myself saying, it doesn't quite sound right. So ministers like myself, down through the ages, have done their best to clean it up, to make it acceptable to nice, polite church folk like yourselves. And the most popular form of an explanation to sort of t clean it all up, to make it acceptable and legit, is, is to say, well, back in the days, um, people would charge extra because charging interest was illegal. You weren't allowed to charge interest to your fellow Jew. It was usury. It was taking advantage of your, of your countrymen. So, but people would often get around that by, by loading the price, by charging a, a higher price. And, and, and their managers, the people who work for them, would often take a cut themselves, adding the price up and, and taking some for, for themselves. So this particular theory goes that what's actually happening here, what this manager is doing, is actually just taking off the cream his own, perhaps his own little piece that he may be carved out for himself and giving it back to the debtors. He's also taking away the... The, the, the interest part or the, the inflated prices that his boss was charging. And so he's simply bringing it back in line to a just price, which is something that he certainly couldn't be criticised for, certainly not in public. The boss couldn't have a go at him in public, lest his own sort of devious, unlawful actions be exposed. So that's one explanation to try to clean this up, to sort of try to explain what's happening here in this parable. But you know what? I think that's kind of beside the point here. I think the ambiguity here is, is part of the point that Jesus is trying to communicate. He's actually trying to tell us that sometimes we're going to be facing difficult situations where the right path isn't always going to be clear. The good guys aren't always going to be wearing the white hats and the bad guys aren't always going to be wearing the black hats like in the old spaghetti westerns, right? It's not always going to be easy to tell right from wrong. There's going to be some ambiguity. There's going to be some grey areas there. Uh, I don't know, I, I'm a little bit late for the old spaghetti westerns with white and black hats, but I do remember one of my favourite TV shows of recent times was a show by the name of, of Breaking Bad. Some of you might have seen it. And the very opening scene, the very opening episode that sets up many seasons worth of this critically acclaimed TV show is of a mild-mannered nice guy, a high school teacher, a science teacher that's providing for his family. He could have gone and had a, a, he was a brilliant scientist, couldn't have gone and had a wonderful career, but he's, he's elected to teach kids the, the wonders of science and, and he's diagnosed with, with terminal cancer in the, opening, in the opening episode. 
And so he's faced with a moral dilemma. What does he do? He's not going to be able to provide for his family once he's gone. So he uses the only thing left at his disposal and, and he uses his skills as a scientist to cook methamphetamines, to make drugs. And so the whole show, you are t- torn. It's a really nice guy and you're wanting to cheer him on, but he's making drugs. He's he's simply giving people what they want after all. He's providing people with a product that that they desire, that they're freely choosing to put into their body, my body, my choice and all that, but but it's it's ruining lives. And as the show goes on, you get increasingly torn. And so I, I think that this is an example. Jesus is actually trying to put us in a state of not really knowing who to barrack for in this parable. I think it's I think it's quite deliberate from from Jesus. So what I'm wanting us to see here is that ultimately I don't think this parable is about the morality of this man. It's not about the morals of this man that Jesus wants us to emulate, I don't think. It's about his canny ability to deal with a difficult situation. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. This is not an excuse. This parable is not an excuse to act immorally. This is a parable about shrewdness, about the ability to deal creatively with the cards that life deals you. This, is, this parable is not putting up this manager's dishonesty as an example. It's holding up his ingenuity. I think Jesus is trying to say here that if even those that are only motivated by, by money, even those that are only motivated by their own selfish agenda, If the people of this world who are only motivated in what's good for them, in getting more for them, getting their own way, feathering their own nest, making life comfortable and beautiful for themselves, I think he's trying to say to us, well, how much more so should you children of the light who are committed to my Father's kingdom, how much more so should you be committed to advancing the cause of Christ? He's saying if the people of this world are so committed to their questionable causes, how much more so should you be to your higher calling follower of Jesus Christ? As followers of Jesus, we are called to obey the law. Romans 13 is a classic passage for that. Paul is is very clear. He talks about submitting to the authorities that God has placed over us. So for the follower of Jesus, the default setting is indeed to obey the law, to live at peace with our neighbours, to be members of a society that contribute and, and, and bless others. But it doesn't always work out like that. There are often times when followers of Jesus Christ down through history have been forced to make some difficult decisions and to actually go against ungodly rules and laws and regulations. You might think of people smuggling Bibles into various parts of the world. It's an illegal act, but they answer to a, a higher authority. Their calling supersedes that of the authorities of this earth. Perhaps the best-known example, and I've shared with, this, with you before, is one of my heroes, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German wonderful German pastor and theologian who opposed Hitler's reign, Hitler's rule, and made the terribly difficult decision to actually be part of a, of a plan to, to commit murder, 
to, to actually murder Hitler in an effort to end the war early and save many, many thousands of lives on both sides of that terrible conflict, who, by the way, were both praying to the same God. Bonhoeffer wrestled with the fact that putting this bomb on his plane would mean that the pilots would die and Hitler's aides would also die. It was, he wrestled with it for some time, but ultimately this hero of, of the faith decided that he, he needed to be a part of this particular calling. Life is messy. Life often is, is difficult. Paul himself talking about obeying the law and sometimes breaking it. Remember, Paul was fairly radical. Uh, Paul himself would go against the teachings of, from Jerusalem. He famously butted heads with Peter and James and the leadership of the church back in Jerusalem. He was a bit of a rogue at times, Paul, doing things outside of the box in order to extend the church out into the, the Gentile world. He often was uh, seen as a bit of a, a rebel, as a as a bit of a, a, a rogue. He's famously said, I, I've become all things to all people in order that I might save some. Paul was very clear that he, he tried to be, what he did whatever needed to be done in order to win people for Christ. That was his main aim. That was his goal. That's what he was saying. I'll, I'll do anything, whatever it takes. I'll become all things to all people. I'll act and dress here like that way. Whatever it takes, I'm going to, to do my best with the resources God has given me to win some people for Christ. That was what he was, that's what he was on about. And of course, Jesus himself was the same. Jesus himself, think about it, was radical enough to, to be, in fact, a dishonest manager, a uh, some scholars will actually say, you know what? I think Jesus is talking about himself. It is possible to see that Jesus is casting himself as this dishonest manager, as this shrewd manager who did whatever it took, broke the rules in order to get the job done. Think about it. Jesus was radically gracious, just giving stuff away. Think of what that manager in the story did, just writing off debt. Jesus is the same, radically generous, just riding off our debt. He wasn't afraid to tell a morally ambiguous story about this one. He wasn't afraid to break the rules, was he, to overturn tables and kick over the tables of the money changers, causing a mighty furor in the temple that day, certainly running against all the rules and regulations of the authorities that day in order to, to make a point, in order to set people free. This week in Scripture, I taught the kids up at Waverley Public School about how he healed a man born blind. You can read about it in John chapter 9. Who, but he did so on the Sabbath. And the leaders and the authorities were very angry with him, looking for a way to get rid of him. Jesus wasn't afraid to walk through barriers, to upset laws and traditions in order to bring life to people. Jesus, when you think about it, was really a bit of a rogue. He didn't follow the rules. The rabbis of his day said he's incredibly irresponsible. He heals 10 lepers at a distance without ever asking them to repent. He forgave a woman caught in the act of adultery before asking her to repent. Only after she sort of comes to him, he forgives her, and only then does he say, go on and leave your life of sin. 
This Jesus of Nazareth that we follow can be incredibly irresponsible by worldly standards. It can be incredibly generous. And I think this is part of the lesson from this story. Let's, uh, let's get lavish like this manager was, just writing off debt. Let's be super generous. Let's just give away what we have. One of my favourite YouTube videos is of an Aussie guy, at least he's here in Sydney, in Pitt Street Mall, out the front of uh, Town Hall, in front of the Opera House, and he gives away free hugs, holding up a sign, giving away free hugs. Have you seen this guy? The story goes, he went to a party, got invited to a party, and he was downhearted. He was, things weren't going well, and he was really down. Uh, he was lonely and, and brokenhearted, and someone at that party simply asked if she could give him a hug. He got a hug at this party, and it turned his world around because someone out of the blue, for no reason, simply be just because, gave him a hug. And he decided that he would then pay it forward and go out into Pitt Street Mall giving away free hugs. Some people steer away, think he's a little bit crazy. But if you watch the video, it's got like 78 million hits or something ridiculous. And you can see him there, free hugs. He's just giving away. People come to him and it's infectious. And people grab his sign and start doing it. The movement has caught on right around the world, just giving away free hugs just because. I did think, though, however, church, isn't that our job? Shouldn't we be the ones giving away free hugs? Shouldn't we be the ones being lavish? Shouldn't we be the ones writing off people's debt and saying, welcome into the kingdom where your debts are written off, where this Jesus fellow, this Jesus of Nazareth, this unconventional rabbi welcomes you and and declares you debt-free, declares that you are right with God once and for all, that pays the price for us once and for all at the cross of Calvary. So let me leave you with a challenge that let's get lavish like this manager in this story. Let's get canny. Let's get ingenious like this man in the story and like this guy giving away free hugs. Let's be the ones to be known for our lavish generosity, for our graciousness, for our life, for our ingenuity. There's people wandering up and down. I can see them right there now. Our own more. How are we going to connect with them? How are we going to truly live up to our name to be church in the marketplace. And I'll leave you also with a bit of a challenge. Uh, can you be trusted? Jesus' final words here are, if you're faithful with a little bit, you can be trusted with more. I, I, can you be trusted with what you've been given? How are you using what you've been given for, for God's glory? Think about how single-minded people in the world are in pursuing their own ends, their own agendas. This guy was very clear about what he wanted. It was all about himself, unfortunately, but he was very clear. He went out and did what he needed to do in order to achieve his ends. Friends, as a church, let's make sure that we are single-minded in declaring the good news of Jesus Christ, bringing people out of darkness and into light, writing off their debts, welcoming them, welcoming them into the family, into this, worshipping this loving, gracious and lavish God who brings life and brings life in all of its fullness. Amen? Let's pray. Yes, Heavenly Father, we do pray that we might learn from this parable, not from the man's dishonesty, but from his ingenuity. 
from his canniness, from his lavishness, from his ability to achieve the end to which he has set his mind. Father, may we as followers of Jesus Christ be similarly single-minded in making your kingdom a reality here on earth. May we be single-minded in being imitators of Christ here in Sydney and indeed around the world in 2022, being bearers of hope and of life and of joy and of hugs and of graciousness and of written-off debt. May people be drawn to you through us this day. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen.